Welcome in, everybody, to this week's Five Aside episode, the show where we sprint end-to-end through five things you need to know for the week. My name is Glenn Paisan, and today we've got Kristen with us. We've got Jennifer with us. You all ready to do this? Let's Let's do it. Confidence is high. First thing, the South's got something to eat, y'all. The Michelin star folk, uh, whoever those folk are, were in town. Atlas was one of five Atlanta restaurants to receive a Michelin star this week. By the way, if you've ever seen a Michelin star, they look nothing like stars. That's beside the point. They got one. And it's the first time any restaurant in the Atlanta area have won a star. So Chef Freddie Money, yep, that's his name, at the St. Regis in downtown, born and raised in London, England. He joined Atlas in the garden room in 2019 and featured menu items there are if you're looking to drop a... Soon will be a um, pretty couple, penny, a pretty penny, a very shiny penny, uh, crystal caviar, West mm. Wagyu, and the signature chocolate. Help me out here, Rocher. Is that Rocher? Rocher. Yes. The other four restaurants to receive uh, a star were Bacchanala, Bacchanalia, Bacchanalia, Bacchanalia. And what were the other ones? Lazy Betty. I got that one. Uh, Mugo and uh, Sushi Hayakawa. Sushi Hayakawa and, Hayakawa and, and Muho. Muho all received one Michelin star. 45 other local spots also received various designations, including Arepa Mia. Arepa Mia. That's cool. They received um, essentially a designation, which means best value for the money. Most bang for your buck. There you go. Which I, I think is really cool because there were a lot of it, a lot of the South American Atlanta United, Atlanta United players that uh, partake of Arepa Mia because it is, you know, very authentic uh, South American cuisine and people, you know, and it, it's cool to see that, you know, in with the Bib Gourmet designations in particular and the, and the other special recognitions that they did, because I think there's a total of, um, like you said, 45 restaurants on this list. Yeah. You know, Atlanta's finally getting some snaps for the diversity of its yeah. food scene, which I think has long been overlooked by the general public. We've never even had a top chef here. Like, what's up with that? They're going to go to <laughs> London and, you know, n- n- no knock on Austin, Texas, but like, yeah. you know, come on. We have a whole universe of awesome up, up, up and down Beaufort Highway. Well, and it's really, it's really interesting that we constantly get passed over for things like that because actually, you know, Atlanta is a very uh, eclectic city, you know, lots of different kinds of food here and we're known for our food. Uh, so it's, it's kind of bizarre. I say we're known, but it's like known by who and everything. But I hear that all the time. People are like, oh yeah, Atlanta's a great food city. I'm like, can you tell someone please? Well, and also to be fair, it's affordable. Like you can actually afford to take a family of four out to eat here, which you can't do in a lot of other cities and get a high quality meal. And, you know, as much as I hate to see, I hate love to see Nam Fong and Snapbox Bistro get recognized, but like, man, how many other towns can you find an actual authentic Laotian restaurant anywhere? That's a good point. So and it's yeah. all over the state. I want to say that too. It's not just in Atlanta. It is. Uh, it's Metro Atlanta, and even as pl- far south as places like Noonan, where there's an incredibly good Middle East Middle Eastern restaurant called Beirut. And then th- you know you go up into the mountains and you get some really good authentic Southern food. So it, it's really all over the state. And I do think that we could probably be recognized a little bit more. And kudos to this to the guy. Uh, you know, from Atlas, but being from London and moving to Atlanta is also just as representational of Atlanta being mm. a uh, uh, the move-in city. You know, you come in, 
you make a home here. So yeah, give us a little bit more of a nod. Quality yeah, homegrown it's... talent and quality imported talent. There you I go. see the South getting recognized for, for more than just the, the, yep. um, the fried chicken and the collard greens. U.S. Women's National Team. Yes, they got a 3-0 win against Colombia tonight. That's a better ship look with, than what they had against their 0-0 draw against Colombia the night before. Um, yeah. Just looked pretty directionless, which to be fair to them, they probably should. We don't have a full-time coach yet. There's yep. a lot of candidates um, Nobody steering being talked the ship, about, per se. but nothing quite happening yet. Jennifer, how are you feeling about it? There, there's, there, there just seems to be absolutely no connection between the midfield and the offensive-minded players. And I love you, Alex. Go home, be with your family. I think you're done. You know, show up and do the the Jimmy thing from you know. Uh, really? Yes. She, she come out, wave her little cap, give the fans a little thrill, and then go home because I have not seen her. And they talked about this on the broadcast. Uh, her XG right now is something like. Like she scored six goals in Very the last, low. last 10 match. Like it's awful. Like it's she has not world- scored in 10 no. USA matches. She's still doing well for club for San Diego wave, but for USA, not so much. Well, and it's different because the quality of competition on a global level is so much better than it has been in the last four years. And I know we've talked about that uh, in the past. And one of the things I took away from going to the world cup this summer was I have fallen in love with Colombia. So I'm not looking at this three nil win that we had today as anything real because they were without Linda Caicedo, who is a game-breaking talent with a hell of a story behind her. She has survived cancer at 15. Uh, she's ovarian two- cancer, correct? Yeah, uh, when she was ovarian diagnosed. cancer. Yes. She's played in two World Cups this cycle because she played in the the younger That's one correct. and then the senior the senior one and she's in the 11 for Real Madrid. That is not a joke of a club to go and play for. Um, and, and she's going to be, you watch next, next five, 10 years, she is going to be, you know, one of the biggest, brightest stars in the game. And you're going to see, I think a lot more of the bigger, brighter names in the women's game in general coming from overseas, as opposed to unfortunately coming from here, we need to get our act together as a club and, and do it fast because nine months is not a whole hell of a lot of time, uh, before nope. your next actual tournament. And if they don't figure this out in the next month or so in terms of a new coach, then, uh, it's not going to end well in the Olympics. Agreed. We have at that point, eight months. Uh, Meg Linehan, senior writer at, at the athletic has listed a few candidates that are in, that are in line for the job. Potentially Tony Gustafsson, 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 um, Gustafsson. Australia's national team coach since 2020. He has some small football club experience prior to that, but not a whole lot else, but at least he has some national team experience. Joe Montemaro from Juventus, no international experience. He's been with Arsenal women and Melbourne City FC. And then there's Laura Harvey with the OL Reign. And uh, she was with USA U20s from 2020 to 2021, Utah Royals 2018 to 2020, OL Reign from 2013 um, to 2017. And she was briefly with Arsenal women. And then the only other candidate that's being talked about right now that probably isn't going to happen the name keeps popping back up is Emma Hayes with Chelsea women. She's been incredible. She doesn't really have much experience beyond that. She was with Chicago, um, the, the red stars, the red stars um, yeah. for a very brief time back when the NWSL was not what it is today. She's been with Chelsea for 10 years. She loves that club. She should, she's winning constantly. She's not going to leave them high and dry. I would be absolutely shocked 
delighted. I think she would be actually a good national team coach, but I don't think that's going to happen. But whatever is going to happen needs to happen soon. I agree. And it has to, I think it has to be a very high profile hire with a very solid resume. And I love what Tony Gustafson has done with the Matildas. Uh, They were the story of the World Cup. I don't think he's going anywhere because he's finally got you know, Australia, you know, the Sporting Australia people bought in and giving him money and funds and resources. And he's got a lot of talent to pull from. Uh, I think it has to be someone with a name like Hayes uh, for anybody in the U.S. not to like start, you know, literally throwing bombs Mm. at the Federation. So Mm. um, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, And just as a brief, you know, aside, there was. Yeah, we get are we going to get an NWSL team here? We get one. It doesn't sound like it's going to happen anytime soon because all Garth really did was dodge the question and focus on opportunities that having U.S. Soccer headquarters was going to give the area away in in terms of promoting the women's game. So I still think there's a lot of complications and uh, not necessarily great vibes that that the folks you know with the money to do such things uh, feel about where the state of the league is. And also, you've got a bunch of logistical issues that would need to be solved. They would need a place to play. That first would and be foremost. that right there is exactly what I was going to say. Is I think if anything, maybe they're thinking that hey, maybe we shouldn't throw too much at this too fast because we are running out of maybe running not running out of resources necessarily but they're just afraid that they're going to be throwing too much soccer at this city at one time and that maybe something might get passed over uh we've seen it happen before so and, and i can we'll totally just keep respect our fingers that, crossed and we'll see yeah. how it goes I can totally respect that if they do move forward with any sort of an NWSL side, they want to do it the right way and in a way that's sure. long-term sustainable. And I and, think that know. that's part of it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So Atlanta Maybe will continue. Atlanta will continue to tick every box except <laughs> the women's team box for now. Moving right. over to a different sport with a different ball, the Braves. Kristen, yep. what's the going Braves. on? So Atlanta Braves are still looking to replace their biggest issue that I said pretty much going into the postseason was, is their pitching is starting pitching going to be a problem? You know, going into it, we had, you know, all stars, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and, you know, unfortunately, Charlie Morton is, I know. Well, he's not 40 yet. I want to clarify. He turns 40 this winter sometime in December. I didn't, I didn't actually look up when his actual birthday is, but he will be 40. Same as, same as yours truly. Hey, we still got a lot of life left in us. Don't judge us. (laughs) But that being said, Charlie Morton is still, it's still possible that he could return back to the Braves. They have not, it's not that they've cut him loose. It's just that what is he going to return in what capacity they can still, they, he has an option for them to re-sign him. But at the same time, really and truly, we had three All-Stars going into the All-Star break, and then Bryce Elder really kind of underwhelming throughout the whole thing. Charlie Morton aging aging out potentially. So that leaves us with Strider and the still slightly recovering Max Freed. So some of the really tasty um possible mm. replacements mm. one that i particularly like the most is sunny gray from minnesota um it's possible that they might seek to uh to pay him between 20 and 25 million which is about what they would have had to give to charlie morton if they were going to seek to renew his contract um that's about right for what alex anthopoulos could potentially offer sunny gray but that's still honestly that still leaves us with another one so the one that i think would be the most interesting not the most tasty but the most interesting is actually aaron nola of the phillies uh who um Hmm. you know shit the bed again 
Um, yeah, if we want to take any solace, we can take it. We can uh, feel good about that. Played out the, the same way again. And now we have two teams in the World Series with the worst regular season records, but I digress. Right. Yes. And then the last possible, but in, this one would be a little bit more of a stretch because they'd have to probably offer him more money, is Blake Snell, who is probably going to end up winning mm. the Cy Young. That would be great. Not to say that Atlanta doesn't have a history with starting pitchers winning the Cy Young because they do. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But those are some really good options, and they are seeking to continue to lock down some good relief pitchers. Pierce Johnson was just signed to a $14 million, a little over $14 million two-year contract, and he ended up having a really excellent uh, postseason. So some good things there, and we'll see how that continues to play out. Got it. Shohei Otani is not coming. Not on the Braves' radar. It is most likely that he will end up with the Dodgers. That is what everyone is saying. Dodgers or the other biggest payroll in um, the Yankees, but that doesn't seem likely. He wants to stay on the West Coast. Go somewhere where you're going to win something. Well, the the big thing is that Shohei Otani is not going to pitch in 2024, and neither will Kyle Wright. Ah, I didn't get to that. Kyle, yeah, he is not because of Tommy John. He will bat, but he Shohei Otani will not pitch in 2024. Interesting. And Atlanta needs a pitcher more than they need the bats, obviously. Next sport, different ball. Hawks. Their season has started and not well, boing, even boing, though boing. we finally did get a win tonight. So the Hawks are one hey. and two. They got a big win against the Bucks tonight. And also, I started working at the Hawks. I'm doing game day operations there. So fan interactions, uh, T-shirt cannons. It's a lot of fun. The vibes <laughs> were not great at State Farm the other night. Mm. We almost had it against the Knicks so close to, in fact that myself and another one of my workers ran up to the rafters to get ready to launch the the winning streamers we're all excited and, and then, then Capella misses an easy rebound and we lose um this season has to be different from the, from past the team has a ton of talent and we have in the past and now we've got a great coach we need a whole team approach on both sides of the ball this season it can't be Let's go down to the court and just trade off who scores. Okay, now it's Trey that's scoring. Then it's Deon, then it's DeJounte, and then it's Trey, and then it's DeJounte. It's got to be a whole team performance, and we need Trey, who's a baller. He can hoop, but he needs to step up and grab the mic a little bit more often, be more of that, that leader, setting that tone for me. So losing to you know start the season in Charlotte to one of the worst teams in the league is not a great start. Losing at home to the Knicks is even worse. But at least we got the win against the Bucks tonight. And then we play again tomorrow night at home at State Farm. And I will be there for that. Thank God we got a win tonight, though. Because if we didn't, it would have been the worst start to the season since 2005. Yikes. Have they managed to replace John Collins since uh, trading him for the equivalent of a, a day and a half old Quiznos tuna sub? <laughs> <laughs> the Quiznos subs! I'm just asking. For a friend who's in the sixth man. We we have not gotten an equivalent sub. I was going to say, that sounds like a no. no <laughs> not not quite. Um, I miss him. Um, I also miss Kevin Herter. I miss a bunch of the players. Jennifer, this one's on you. It's Halloween. Ooh, for those of you out there who, who are last minute procrastinators and you've got a party to go to on Tuesday, Jennifer's got a few ideas for you. And they'll make an impact I would say these are not half-hearted ideas. No, no, no. no. We're going deep out. into uh, we're going to yeah. go deep into your closets and your creativity and come up with some very cool Atlanta-centric looks uh, to complete your your Halloween experience. So, uh, look number one: 
grab a full blue outfit and uh, the diving rings that you throw in the pool, you know, the little circle, circular rings that are like neon colored. You throw them in the pool and you yes, dive. Yes, if anybody them. is old enough to still have some of those. Yes. Everybody has those. My kid had them. Anyway, you put those around your wrists and possibly your ankles and bam, you're what is it? You're Izzy from the Olympics. Super Who fun. should be our mascot for Atlanta United, by the way. <laughs> it's the our land version of uh, Izzy on crack saying let party. Um, yeah, moving, moving right along, uh, you can be Atlanta traffic redirection. You wear all black and, uh, you grab yourself some neon orange pool noodles and attach them to yourselves in whatever random fashion you feel like. And then you'll be laid out just like a construction redirection as seen on Georgia 400 and 285 or 75 Any side street anywhere. Any side street, anywhere. <laughs> or or if you're really feeling, you know, extra authentic, you can just wear the black, paint your face black with like a jagged yellow stripe down the middle and then your DeKalb Avenue potholes. I love it. Or, yeah, or uh, if you want to, uh, when was that in... What was it in 20? It was like 2018 or something like that. Just 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 get a big piece of sheet metal and then just lie in the way somewhere. And then you're <laughs> and then you <laughs> and that's how Atlanta fixes the road. They put a big metal plate over it. Just lie uh, in the way. If you're like looking it. for something in more of a fantasy vein, uh, mm -hmm. just go raid your closet for all your random cosplay items that you've collected over all the years that you've gone to whatever con we have in town, and you can be the Dragon Con Parade. There you go. <laughs> all wrapped it doesn't up really one. matter. All it wrapped up into one costume. All wrapped up into one costume, but that's why it's the parade, so that you can just wear all the random stuff. Right. And just be a giant, you know, festival of the nerdiest fun you can think of. Um, and then let's see here. This is this one's one of my favorite. Um, you can go to this Walmart. Is this is number four. You go to Walmart and get yourself a dollar ninety nine uh, box of uh, zombie makeup sticks and kind of, you know, do the light face, little zombie makeup and ride around on your kid's scooter. Like you're a bird scooter victim of a bus attack. Oh risen God. from the dead to torment Atlanta side streets and drivers who can't see you. Um, and then let's see here. That I was got really deeply personal. I, I like, I know where you're going. You're, you're, she's, she's got a list y'all of, of a bunch of different costumes and she's choosing between two go Marta. Really? Okay, fine. Yes. So, so, okay, finally. And, and this is very cat inspired. So uh, I'm giving you full props for this. Thank you. Uh, paint your face with uh, some blue and yellow and orange striping and just walk around in front of all your friends and photobomb them all night long. Just get just in the block way. block every photo. Just block just every possible photo that you can. Just be, and a, be a Marta bus. Just get yep. in the way of everything interesting going on. And, and that one, yeah. Park that, park that bus. That one gets a win for me. Um, and hopefully Atlanta will get the win for us this coming Wednesday. And we will Absolutely. be back. Uh, I will be at, I will be working a Hawks game Wednesday night, but we will be recording. And I think we'll be recording from elsewhere brewing on, on Thursday night for a, a review of the match that we will most certainly. I, I saw, know. Hey, I saw some pretty good. I saw playoff predictions. It's what I saw for us was yeah. Atlanta in three. That we lose the first and win the final two. That's what I heard. That's what I saw. And I'm like, hey, I like that. Because they're obviously, they're, they're acknowledging, they're acknowledging 
Elmada being the absence of Elmada, but they understand that with him, we can win. I really think it's a coin flip. It's a 50-50 coin flip. Yeah. We are basically yeah. the same team, and it's who's going to have the better nights, Yeah, honestly. Absolutely. And it's going to be fun to watch. If nothing else, it's going to be really fun to watch. Also, gut-wrenching and um, <laughs> time-making time, but still fun to watch, hopefully, yeah. And we'll be back to talk about it on Thursday from Elsewhere Brewing. And I think AJ I like um, and Michael from Fan TV. Hey. Now RTV. We're all one pod now. Uh, are going to be there with us to share their thoughts and that should be a lot of fun all right y'all thank you for listening i think we went into stoppage time a little bit but you'll forgive us for a minute or two over we will be back uh next week with a new five aside 